0: At the beginning of the church calendar, we start with the beginning. Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness God called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And likewise, in the Gospel of Mark, we get a take on the story of John the Baptist. That is like the Gospel of Mark. It is short, it is to the point, it is action-packed, and it is over. And so in the first chapter, starting at the fourth verse in Mark, we hear this. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptizing him in the river, and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And just as he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. This ends our reading. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, he's back again. We can't shake John from the calendar. You know, he's been annoying me all this Advent season, popping up everywhere I want to hear about Jesus. And here comes John again. It's a little fairer this time. You know, this is Baptism of the Lord Sunday, the day when we celebrate the fact that Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. Anybody in here ever been to the River Jordan? Was it, was it full then? Yeah. Was it even that full barge when you saw it? It, it can be just a, tr- a trickle of muddy water. Sometimes it can flow like Wheeling Creek flows and overflow its banks. <clears throat> it is, don't think pristine, crystal blue, shiny water. People were coming out to take mud baths with John. And he baptized all of them, talking about their need for repentance. Repent, repent, repent. He kept saying, repent. Why? Because one must repent before one enters the presence of the Lord. And he knew that the Messiah was coming. So he was preparing a way for us, for the people who were at the Jordan to meet the Lord. Repent so that you can stand in the presence of God. And Mark is beautiful about this. Mark, you know, the gospel that hits us hard and fast. And it says, in one sentence In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. The end. He did it. John even baptized Jesus. what you should know is there is some significant debate among theologians about what this event actually meant for Jesus. Some think that Jesus grew up knowing that he was destined to be the Messiah. And certainly the other gospel accounts of Jesus' life would indicate that that could be true. You know, in Matthew, the angel speaks to Joseph and says, your son will be great. In Luke, the angel speaks to Mary and says, your son will be great. But in Mark, there's no birth narrative. There's no story of angels coming and saying, to anyone how great Jesus will be. So perhaps it is at this moment when he is baptized in that muddy water that he realizes that he is the Messiah. He sees the heavens open up. Hears the voice of God say, You are my beloved child. With you I am well pleased. You know, in Christian religious theory, there is an understanding that the way that we are converted is sometimes gradual. And sometimes radically instant. Many of us, maybe even most of us who grew up in mainline Protestant churches, have a sort of gradual conversion to Christianity. That is, as we grow older and older, we get more and more familiar. We become more and more in tune to the teachings of the church And the gospel, and greater and greater is our relationship with Jesus. But as you know, there are some people who, and some churches who say instantly, you find Jesus. Remember that guy who was on TV, used to hit you in the head and knock you over? You found Jesus. Boom. I have a horrible sinus infection and headache and I should not have just hit my head like that. Um, But you get the idea, right? I mean, there are those churches who instantly say, receive the the Holy Spirit. Come come to Jesus. We call those come to Jesus moments because they're instant, right? And in those churches, what do they do right away? They dunk you. Because it's what we see in Jesus. It's that moment when you realize that there's something greater than yourself. My fear, you know, is in mainline Protestantism because many of us... Come so gradually to understand Jesus and to understand Christian tradition and to form a relationship with Jesus that maybe we don't realize how strong our relationship is. It's just something that's always been there. Woe to us if it's something that's always been there that we find a way to take for granted. Because here, see, Jesus, even Jesus himself, may realize that this is an extraordinary moment in the course of his life. Think if Mark is right, and Jesus has never before realized that he is the one who who is to come. He is the Messiah, he is the one who is here to save his people. It's extraordinary. And when we as human beings realize that Jesus is the one who's here to save us, it's extraordinary. And the heavens open up and say, this is my beloved child. You are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. it's extraordinary. In this world where we are so full of shame and guilt and fear and anger, what does it do to us to hear the words that we are God's children who have been sent a Savior to rescue us from all of that? It's extraordinary. Thanks be to God. Amen.